morning, good afternoon, and good evening, and thank you for joining us for another edition of The Divination Table. I'm your host, Michael Lennon, and today's guest is a healing facilitator, a spiritual diviner, mystic, magical practitioner, and educator with over 20 years of experience. Leilani assists in the supporting of her community's spiritual growth by offering a wide range of services, such as tarot and other forms of divination, blessings and cleansings, chakra and aura clearing, aromatherapy, perfumery, fumigation, as well as custom in, customized enchanted items upon request. So let us bring on our wonderful guest, the great goddess, Leilani. Hey, hey can you how are you doing? I am wonderful. So glad to have you here, finally. <laughs> me too. <laughs> I'm so excited. Thank you so much for inviting me. <laughs> I've been waiting for you to come on. I mean, I know we had some uh, little hiccups, you know, the previous yeah. <laughs> time with some audio on the previous platform, um, mm-hmm. you know, so I couldn't wait to get you back on. So, for sure. <laughs> you know, how did you get into divination? Wow. <laughs> That's always <laughs> the story, right? How did, how did we all do this? Um, yeah, you know, it's it's one of those things. Actually, divination was the the pathway that kind of led me into the rest of my spirituality. So it actually started with divination versus, you know, sometimes you hear a lot of stories about people with divination where it actually starts with their spirituality that then led them to their divining uh, method. Um, right. But for me, it was the, the absolute opposite. So um, it actually started when I was about 11 years old, uh, 11, 12 years old. Um, I was given a Rider weight deck, and, uh, you know, I was playing around with it and, and trying my best to memorize the book and, you know, go through the whole thing that a 12-year-old kid would do. <laughs> and um, so I remember, you know, going out with my family one day to a Latin festival here in New York where they do it uh, over by the Hudson River every single oh, yeah. year in the summertime. Yeah, you know, they got the food <laughs> going, the live music, you know, Puerto Rican flags, Cuban flags, Dominican flags, everything everywhere, people buying all kinds of stuff, dancing, having a good old time. And um, I had, I was with my family and I had, you know, the blanket on the ground and I'm just, you know, playing with my cards and shuffling them and looking at the book and just practicing basically. You know, up to this point, it was just that. It was just being a student of the cards and not really taking into consideration reading someone or experimenting on anyone just yet. Um, and so a woman walks over to me, and she asks me if I read cards, and she starts speaking to me in Spanish. Now, unfortunately, I, I wasn't raised on the language, you know, so right. um, I had to call my dad over, and I was like, Dad, can you come and translate because I don't really know what's happening. So she basically asked me if I was reading, and I said, yeah, I'm practicing, and she asked me to read her, and I was really hesitant. I mean, I, I was like, no, 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 you know, I haven't memorized my book yet, and I, I'm, you know, I've never read anyone. Like, I'm, I don't know if I can. Like, no, no, I don't think I should. And she's like, come on, come on, try, try. I was like, okay, so <laughs> let's give it a try. You know, what, what's the harm in this, right? So we're sitting there, and I start to pull out the cards one at a time. And I go to reach for my book, and she's like, no, 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 no. Try and read them. Try, try and tell me what you feel. So then I look at the cards, and I notice that they're all, you know, health-related cards. And they're all upside down, and they're not looking too good. And the minute I acknowledged what those cards stood for, all of a sudden I start getting this pain in my chest and I'm having a very difficult time trying to breathe. My, my breathing starts to get heavy and I'm just not comfortable. And I said to her, 
And obviously my dad is translating this whole time. And I said to her, um, I, I don't know what any of this means yet. I, I, I haven't memorized my cards, but I do know that I can't breathe. And I do know that all of your health cards, it's not looking good. You know, this, this is really not looking good. And she goes, okay, keep going. So then I just start staring at my cards, and I really just start meditating and thinking and trying to keep the image of her in my mind's eye and just go and go as deep as I possibly could. And then all I could just feel was this dread and doom and death. I just didn't feel anything good. And it was just such a difficult moment for me at 12 years old to now have to have your very first reading be that kind of reading, the one that everyone always yeah. warns you about, the one that, like, you know what I mean? You get told by yeah. everyone, you know, it's, you know, it's no good, it's the death, it's this, it's that. And to now actually have to look at a stranger in the face and say, I don't know what's going on with you, but I feel like you're going to die, you know? And that was my first reading. And, so she looks at me, and she says, you know, you're really good. And she pulls out a 20 and throws it on the table for me on the floor. Um, and she says, I have lung cancer, and I was given three months to live. And I was like, Oof. oh, my God. You know, it, it, just, it just punched me right in the face. And I said, I mean, do you do you want to heal, or is there is there something you can do? I mean, can you try and stop smoking? Because it, it was from smoking that she had told me, and she just kind of laughed it off. She pulled out a cigarette, she lit it, and she said, "You know what, girl, you're good," and she just walked away. And it was that moment that I realized a bunch of things. <laughs> <laughs> I realized number one, apparently, I have some kind of a gift. Number two, yes. now my parents can't deny that I have a gift. Because <laughs> at first they were like, oh, you know, this is just a phase, this girl, you know. And number three, you know, it was it was one of those moments where you really thought to yourself, wow, no matter what's going to come out in these cards, at the end of the day, the person receiving that information, it's completely up to them. It, at the, it does not matter what these cards say. If they're not going to take that information and do something with it, or if they are, it's the ball is now in their court. And that kind of reality really allowed me to lose control a little bit over my cards, and I actually threw the book away. And <laughs> at that point, it became it became less of a reading, and at that point, it became divination because I no longer needed to use that book. You know. Right. And, you know, I think it's a beautiful thing, you know, unfortunately, you know, it's a, it was a bad situation having to read as that for your first time, Oh my but God, yeah. looking back at it, you know, you started with like the toughest type of reading you could ever give rather than starting with the little <laughs> tiny thing and working your way up, you blew the door open because if you can provide somebody with, accurate information, meaningful information, your very first time and make it through, there's not a reading you won't be able to do. Exactly. And honestly, you know, another revelation that came from that, and I'm, I'm glad you brought that up, is this, this idea of relating accurate information. You know, another reality that came up out of that was that 
as much as I didn't want to believe that these cards meant what they meant, I had to say what they meant. You know, there. You know, yeah. You know, it's your first reading. It's all about death and doom. There's no way. If this is a freak accident, this can't possibly be right. This is crazy. And you. And but then you just have to be like, well, there's. This is what the cards say. There's nothing else that's going on except that I have to just say it. And so I think that's another good point to talk about with regards to being a, a good diviner and a good reader is like when you get that information as crazy and as outlandish as that sounds, you, you just have to say it, just relate it as yeah. best as possible. <laughs> you know, we, we don't always know why particular messages come to us the way they come to us, but we do know that, you know, as diviners and people that are spiritually connected to ancestors, spirits, guides, and whatnot, you know, they're telling us these, this information for a reason in a particular way for a particular reason. Now, like this woman probably already peace with what the final end outcome was going to be for her with her health. I mean, exactly. the fact that she pulled out a cigarette and said, <laughs> Oh, you're good. And lit right up after you told her, <laughs> you know, yeah. isn't there something that you can do? Can't you stop smoking? Or, you know, she already knew all this, you know, right. She'd already been given, you know, three months by the doctor. She was already sounding like she was at peace. Most people I know would probably have broken down, you know, emotionally hearing that type of information, especially when it was true. You know, so we never know why spirit does what they do, but it's always Um, for a particular reason. And I think the reason for you was for you opening up your doors, you know, she knew all the answers already. She was you know, coming to you specifically. You know, she yeah, already knew. So she was coming to you specifically to say, come on, girl, let's see what you got. Wow. Yeah, I never I never thought of it that way. You're you're right, because had it been someone who was not at peace with it and who ended up breaking down and crying and having a, a, a an emotional reaction. I mean, I'm sorry, but as a 12 year old, I don't think I would be able to handle that. I wouldn't know what to do with that at that time. You know what I mean? No. You give me someone like that now. Yeah, I can handle that. But at, at that age, no, no. So you're right. I think there, I never actually contemplated it like that, that, that this was given to me as a trial and her reaction you know, was exactly what it needed to be at that time. Yeah. Yeah. And not to mention that, but I mean, how many people, walk up to a 12-year-old sitting on a blanket with cards, wanting an actual Mm. reading. You know, there was a reason that Spirit walked up to you and said, hey, I know you can't understand my language because you don't speak it, but I want you to do a reading for me anyway. You know, Mm. so I think Spirit was pushing you at at a very early age to say, hey, you know, you already got this. It's just a matter of getting out of your own head. And, you know, throwing away the book, you know, I don't. I like learning the basics of all all forms of divination that I learn. But once I learn it, I throw everything else out the window. You know, just like throwing the book out the window. It's like you know, it's relying on me and my intuition and how these cards, tools work directly with me. You know, and I think that's a beautiful story. You know, because me, I was throw. I, I always read for just friends and family for you know years when I was learning until I started working at the Botanica. And one day, my godmother called me and said, "Hey, bring your cards to work with you today." I said, "Okay." Wasn't thinking anything <laughs> of it. And I come walking in, and she goes, "Hey, you got fifteen people. They're all lined up. Go to it." And then she walked oh my out. 
and, and that was it. It was just like, it was sink or swim, you know. <laughs> so we just do what we have to do. And spirit knows when you get to a certain point. And your godparents, if they're involved in your life, know as well. You know, it's one of the great things about having mentors and teachers and spiritual family and godparents. They lift you and elevate you, but they also know when you're ready to take that next step. And sometimes they don't always tell you you're ready. Sometimes they just throw you to the wolves and say, here you go. You know, you already got this. Yeah, yeah, that is so true. You know, I, I wish that I... I wish I actually had uh, mentors and teachers growing up. Um, unfortunately, I was a completely solitary practitioner. Um, I was a child of nature. Um, I, spent, mm-hmm. I spent my time underneath a willow tree every single day for the majority of my childhood, <laughs> from the moment <laughs> I woke my eyes up to the moment I went to sleep. And, or, or I spent time in the woods and near the swamps or climbing trees or doing whatever. And honestly, at, at least at that time, those were my mentors and my guides and my teachers. You know, I had a very intimate relationship with nature, with, with bugs, with animals, with all kinds of stuff, with the patterns of the weather, um, the way the ground fell, feet tracks, things like that. And, um, and so I got a lot of, I was, I was a loner as a kid pretty much. You know, I did a lot of meditating out there. And so that's where I feel I got the interest in the mystical um, because I was able to observe things in a different way from people. And, and then as I got older, and unfortunately, you know, you become teenagers and you get interested in boys and you <laughs> go off to college and now you're in the big city and you're wilding out. And that was definitely me. And while all of that was happening, um, I was so fortunate to have passed through the lives of, you know, uh, other spiritual elders and spiritual leaders in our community and, and mentors and guides who even for, uh, even if it was a short time in my life was able to teach me so much and allowed me to pick their brains. And I mean, I would, I would sit at tables with them and just hours, days, just asking tons and tons of questions. Um, and I was fortunate to have that, but Honestly, throughout the whole process, it really was a very lone process. And I think that's probably why now, um, now that I've gotten to a certain point in my spiritual journey, I feel it's a responsibility to now turn around and see who's behind me and, and try my best to kind of pull them up with me so we can kind of go together, you know? <laughs> exactly. Yeah, because it's, so you know, right <laughs> it, it's all about the lifting and the elevating. You know, it's all about bringing For people sure up to a higher level because you know when I was young I also started out as a solitary practitioner before I ventured into Egyptian magic and the Kabbalah and high magic um, you know Celtic magic and then the ATRs you know Santeria and Haitian Vodou you know I, I was always a loner. I mean, I grew up, you know, studying my studying on my own, studying myself, studying, you know, cards and divination and crystals and healing and Reiki and therapeutic <laughs> touch and it's so much you know. Fun. <laughs> <laughs> and now as I get older, you know, it's just like you know, the the spiritual community has given me so much yeah. that you know I have to give back. It's just like they've pulled me through so many situations that there were days where I did not know what next month was going to hold. You know, 
whether I was going to have a place to live, whether I was going to have a job, you know, how long my car was going to last because it was on its last leg. And spirit always found ways, you know, through mentors and teachers and other people that elevated me and helped change my mindset spiritually. Yeah. That doors just open. You know, I used to look at things just like, man, here comes another door closing up on me. And then another door would open or two more would Mm -hmm. open. Spiritually speaking, you know, it's the mindset magically that we work with that Mm -hmm. we can look at things from a negative stand or we can look at things from the positive stand. And the moment we shift that view, things start to change. You know, and it's just like divination, you know. So what is your preferred method of divination? My preferred method is definitely tarot. Um, you know, don't get me wrong. I definitely love, you know, experimenting and working with other forms like um, the I Ching, um, geomancy, uh, uh, charming, things like that. But, for, you know, the cards is where I started and most likely where I'll end. I have to say, though, my, my second most favorite form of divination, I don't know if you've ever seen um, or heard of the alchemy stones. I have it not. Came, it came out, I want to say, what year did it come out? I want to say that it came out in 2001. I'm not too sure, but um, it's basically a beautiful set of crystal, pure crystal stones that have the engravings of all of the alchemical symbols of that system. And it's you kind of do it in the same way as as charming or bone reading, where you where you toss the the sto- the crystals, or you can pull them out one at a time and do them in like a spread. And uh, they're okay. amazing, and it's all about transformation and self transformation. It's amazing. So my but my tarot deck honestly is similar to that as well. My my cards are very psychological, very um, introverted in that sense, and in depth psychology. And it's all about self-transformation and growth and spiritual growth. I can do practical readings with them too, but they're really, really meant for that. Kind of like the soul cards. I don't know. Have right. you ever seen the soul cards? Yeah. Yeah. The soul Is that cards like are an oracle? The soul cards that- are more of an intuitive. And when I say intuitive, I mean, there's no book that comes along with it. There's no meanings for any cards. Kind of think of it like the ink blot cards, but these are right. in full color, um, all hand drawn and everything else, and they pull upon your intuitive connection for each card. And although right. I can do practical readings with them, I find they work best for questions like, what is it that this person needs to know in order to move through this point, to get past exactly. this, you know, to elevate and lift themselves? And they are scary accurate. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I've never worked with the soul cards, but my cards are definitely used just like that for sure. They're, they're, a, they're a Celtic deck, so they've got a lot of pagan Irish uh, influences in the imagery of them. It's called the Sacred Circle. Um, okay. But they're extremely, I mean, the pictures are so vivid. There's so, so much going on in these pictures that it really just allows your mind to play. Um, and it's read pretty much in the same fashion as those soul cards. Um, but it's, like I said, highly influences Irish pagan. So, like, for example, the fool of the regular right away deck would be represented by the green man and things mm-hmm. like that. So a lot of pagan themes in it. Shadow so, Beautiful deck. <laughs> yes, the green man. 
Love him. <laughs> yeah, he was one. Of, he was one of my first when I started reading and studying on Celtic magic. Was one of the first uh, spirits and gods that I worked with in the Celtic tradition. Um, yeah. And he has followed me in different traditions in one way or another, um, as represented by other spirits. Right, right. They all have, they all have very common themes for sure. They're not the same, but there's definitely some common motifs. Yes, definitely. You know, so now you also do blessings and cleansings and aura readings, but you also do from what I hear from a lot of people, some really banging oils. (laughs) Yeah, my my oils. I love my oils so much. Yes, oil powders and, you know, sacred waters, different kinds of sprays and stuff. Yeah. Because I see I see your oils posted all over the place, and <laughs> just from what I hear from other people that have actually purchased them, they love the oils. Oh, you know. awesome. <laughs> now, when you were first starting out with your tarot, when we were talking about, you know, you got to that point, and you got to that point early where you started to trust your own instincts and you started to trust your own intuition and you started to push yourself away from the book, you know, aside from that one reading, I mean, what other things helped you, you know, as a new diviner, you know, hone your skills, you know, and stay true to what I call, because you know, I always say there's a difference between being a reader and being a diviner. You know, what kept you on that path of being an actual diviner rather than just a reader? Well, it's definitely about desire, right? So, you know, this path that we choose to be diviners is not just sitting across from someone and using a divination tool to help them. Because really, I mean, at the end of the day, every single one of us who do what we do, if we had no divination tool at all, would still be able to do what we do because it's deeper than that, you know? So it's really right. about that calling to heal and, and to be of service to your community and to people who are hurting and to people who are in need of, you know, wisdom and guidance and they don't know where else to go. So we're psychologists, we're nurses, we're therapists, we're all of that. So it's, it's really important to just kind of keep that in the back of the mind. And as at a 12-year-old kid and on, you know, it was at first a method of survival for me mentally, you know, because, again, I was a loner yeah. and I was on my own. So it was a, it was a communion between me and spirit. And, and at that time, spirit was a separate entity. Like it wasn't just communing with myself. I already had a pretty good gauge of who I was, but it was that separate entity, that separate energy that I knew was outside of my body yet was still easily perceivable within my body. And that communion allowed me to not be alone anymore and allowed me to have a friend. So that was very important for my, for my childhood growth and my psychology at that time. But what kept me on the, on the path was definitely that desire to heal. Now, you know, as we go along, though, we have other techniques that we kind of incorporate into our practice in order to keep us motivated, in order to keep us in tune with our intuitive self. And you know, so for me, it was spiritual baths and meditating and using my cigar and anointing myself with oils specifically. 
um, using certain crystals to kind of harness that energy and, and place it in one spot. Um, you know, lots of cleansing, using candle, using glasses of water. So really the whole ambiance of the whole thing to put yourself into the zone is really, really important. So whenever um, I talk to new diviners or new people who are kind of breaking into this, you know, they'll always ask me, well, what do I need to start? Should I buy all of these tools and all of that? And then you'll hear some people say, no, don't buy nothing, just you and your cars. And I agree with that. But for some people, like myself, that environment is actually really helpful for some of us. Like, we need all the glitz and the glam and the candles and the, and the music playing and the this and the that. Like, we need all of that to kind of help us get into that zone. At least I do. I know I enjoy it very, very much. So... I always tell people, yeah, get yourself some candles, put your favorite incense on, you know, do what you got to do to put yourself in that place of inner wisdom and then, you know, ride that wave, go for it, you know? Yeah, because, you know, I mean, when we think about all of the, I'll call it the hoopla for now, um, you know, the incense, the oils, the candles, the ambiance, the music, you know, these are all tools that we use to vibrate on a certain spiritual level of existence, you know, so that we can attune to the guides and the spirits that we want to connect with and commune with, you know, over time, you know, we learn that we don't have to have all this, although most of us still enjoy it. And it becomes more of a ritual for us to put ourselves instantly in that place. It's like an on and off switch. So, you know, whether you are going to use just a deck of cards and nothing else, whatever works for you as a diviner, you know, especially a new diviner, stay with it. You know, use whatever it is that helps you vibrate to that level. You know, I can throw cards. I don't have to have anything. But there are days where I'll have... Santa Barbara Bendita playing in the background. I will have <laughs> incense going. I will have candles going. I will have the entire house lit up. Right. <laughs> yeah, man. And it's I, all about it's all about what, what what you're in the mood for, or what you're capable of doing at that moment. Sometimes you're you're driving home from work and you get a phone call that someone needs a reading like right then and there, and you're like, all right, let's do this. And you drive over, you splash some Florida water on you, you put yourself into like a 30 second meditation and you just go right in. And then there are other times, like you said, you know, you've got the robe on, you got the crystal. <laughs> but uh, and the but sometimes, you know, sometimes for me, it's because it's not so much about me as it is about my client. Sometimes exactly. spirit will tell me ahead of time that, Hey, my client needs something extra. So right. I have to bring my full ensemble spirits and guides and ancestors and whoever's going to work with me and allow their spirits to come through at the same time. And sometimes they need it more than I do. Exactly. And I feel the same way about the cards too. You know, how I said earlier, you know, when you're a diviner, you know, you technically don't need anything. I mean, if you, if you lost your entire tarot deck today and all you were able to find was one card of that deck, you can still read a hundred people with that one card differently and completely and catered to that person. And it's, it's really important to, to know what it is that that person needs, you know? And like you said, you know, sometimes you need the full on show and sometimes, and some, and that's how I look at my cards. I look at my cards as 
for some people, just a show for them, you know, because they know that it's deeper than that. Right. Well, I mean, you're also, aside from being intuitive, I mean, you're also a medium, too. I mean, you talk directly with spirit as well, and you pass spirit and pass spirit messages. So a lot of times, you know, cards are there for the visual, and sometimes they'll give you a little click. Hey, here's a little piece, and then the rest of it's up to you and up to your connection with spirit. You know, as new diviners and as we develop, you know, we work with meditations and we work with the incense and the oils and the candles to pull ourselves out of our normal frame of existence in the mind. Correct. Because, you know, our own mind can put us in places we don't want to be. And it's, you know, no judgment. It's the judgment-free zone. Put our own mind outside of ourselves to allow spirit to communicate with us so that, you know, we don't have to think because, you know, good diviners don't really have to actually think about what's Mm -hmm. in front of them. (laughs) They are allowing, they're the vessel. Exactly. And I mean, it's also, but it's also about interpretation too, because sometimes you'll be given messages that you kind of have to unpack and peel away at in order to understand because, you know, this is, this is what I call our spiritual dictionary and our spiritual library. You know, I always tell my students and people that I work with, you know, read, 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 read everything, learn as much vocabulary as possible, learn as much dream vocabulary as possible. So really, you know, work your dreams, be a part of your dreams, be lucid, record them, understand your images that you're given in dreams, look up different symbols and symbolisms for animals, flowers, whatever you can, learn it. Because what you're doing is you're building your spiritual dictionary. So then when it's time for you to give a reading to someone, now spirit has a lot more words to work with and a lot more images to work with to communicate with you so that you can understand and be able to relay that message as accurately as possible. You know, so to be a well-learned and to be a, a well-adjusted person so that you know the difference between your emotion, the person you're reading's emotion, and the emotion you're being given by spirit to relay to that person so that you're able to distinguish between all three of those things, that can be very, very difficult for someone who hasn't taken the time to learn self-reflection, and to and to give themselves the vocabulary necessary to interpret these messages. Exactly. Now, like I have issues with dreams. I won't lie, because I haven't remembered hardly any dreams since I was a child. Oh wow! Oh, wow. And see, those are, those are things that we would try to unpack. You know what I mean? The, we would then try and analyze your childhood. Be with what's up with all of that? You know, like we would go into that. But sometimes it isn't that deep. You know, there are just people that just. I just don't dream, and that's okay. You know, well, you try oils, you try um, certain meditation methods before bed, but you know what? There are other ways of perceiving and other ways of recording that information. If you don't dream, cool. Um, if you can't meditate and have visualization, cool. All right, we'll figure something else out, and that's the whole point is that our ability to perceive spirit isn't limited to just our mind's eye and our visualization. It can, it can be interpreted via our, um, our auditory senses. It can be interpreted via our tactile perceptions, which is how I do it. Um, it can be done visually where you actually see visual uh, apparitions and, and images, like as if it's playing on a movie screen on the wall and you're able to relay that information. Um, there's so many ways in which spirit can, can speak to you 
that, it, you know, whenever someone says, oh, I can't dream or I can't meditate visualization, hey, no problem. We'll just figure out where your strength is. How do you perceive spirit? And let's figure that out, you know? Right. And that's, and that's an important thing because, you know, that's one of the reasons why I brought it up is we're all different. You know, yeah. we don't all divine the same way, even if we use the same methods. You know, like I'm auditory. I'm visual. You know, I don't dream. Once in a great while, I will have an actual dream, and I never understand it. And I'll mention it to you because <laughs> I, think it's, I think it's funnier than hell. The other day, I had a dream that I was down in the Boogie Down Bronx back in the day when hip-hop was first starting, when they have all the rap battles. <laughs> and you know who appeared in my dream as Roxanne Roxanne? Oh. Emily. Tarot by oh. Emily. <laughs> Oh my goodness! And, and I'm sitting there going, "That's odd." Now, why is that? So I'm still trying to unpack that whole dream of because <laughs> I grew I grew up listening to hip hop and rap, you know, back in the '70s and the '80s, and it had a big influence on my life growing up. But out of the blue, here I had this hip hop dream down the boogie down Bronx and Emily, you know, Emily Munoz, <laughs> terror by Emily appears in my dream as Roxanne Roxanne singing on stage. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, unfortunately I'm horrible at dream interpretation. <laughs> so I wouldn't be able to help you out with that, <laughs> but I will you know, say, you know, whatever images you get, whatever is attached to specific feelings, whatever, um, Whenever you can match two sensory modalities together is when you've got something because that match, that link between the two sensory modalities will help you to recall it a lot easier. So if you, for example, when you transport to New York City during the time of hip-hop, how does that make you feel? Or were there any smells associated with it? Or were there any sounds associated with it? And what you do is you begin to kind of piece those associations together so that now the next time you smell that particular thing or you feel that particular thing, you can then recall New York City and be able to give someone a location to a question that they were asking um, because you got that particular feeling or got that particular smell. So, or because you may not have gotten New York City right off the bat. And that's really important. So I always say try and match. Try and match those modalities because that really, really helps. So for so for you you were audio and visual you said? Yes. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm audio and tactile. So I'll hear spirit um and the way that I actually the way that I do my readings is that I physically have to touch the person's hands. Um so for me I I get that information from the person via tact, tactile perception. So it's not necessarily interpreting information by touch more than it is interpreting information by feel. And so once I feel like I've gotten everything I needed to get, that's when the auditory stuff comes in. That's when the visual stuff might come in. Um, and I'll just start talking real fast. Um, or I'll have a bunch of images come in and I'll have to kind of unpack them with that person. Um, and that's how we, we go about doing it. Yeah, and it's it's always incredible, you know, sometimes the way that spirit provides information. You know, I've, you know, being a medium, I also pass spirit at times, and I have had 
clients sit across from me at the table and my body will contort and change and my facial expressions will change and I will begin acting like somebody that they knew that mm, had passed. Yeah, yeah. And wow. my voice may not change, but my language set does. Wow, and yeah. they know exactly who it is I'm talking to. And it's, it's like, one of the, when it first started, it was one of those that was kind of scary because I don't remember everything. Spirit wasn't fully in. I was somewhat present, but not enough to know everything that was going on or to remember anything that was actually said. But they'll tell me mm. afterwards that, you know, that was my grandmother. My grandmother used to do that exact same thing. You know, even the look on the face looked like my grandmother. And, you know, as you develop, you know, and as you work your tools and you meditate more and you find that perfect balance between all of the gifts that you have, they build, they get stronger, you know, and, you know, it might be that maybe you're just getting the smell. Mm-hmm. But down the line, that smell is going to combine with something different. You know, you're going to right. know that the smell of a lilac is going to give you the image of the flower itself or the color purple. It'll mm-hmm. then instill in you the next time that you see that or you smell that, the visual will come. You know, right. so you're you know, philosophy of learning and reading and building your vocabulary, not always just about the vocabulary as much as it, you know, that's a good part of it, but it's also building your skill set, your visual, your audio, your tactile. I mean, all these other skills work with that because now you can, I hate the word label, but now you can put labels on all these different images according to the vocabulary that you have and say, Hey, look, you know what? A red rose for me means this. Whereas a red rose for somebody else may be something completely different. Don't always go book wise on this is the only thing that this image may mean because it's going to be built on your life skill set, your experiences and your personal language, you know, that you have learned. Exactly. Oh my gosh. I'm so glad you brought that up because that is a huge, that is a huge concern for a lot of new readers is like, you know, how, how do I know what's mine and what's spirits? Like, how do I know it's not just my imagination? And I usually get that question a lot and you pretty much hit it on the nail. I always tell people, learn as much as you can from everything. Everything is a learning opportunity, right? And a good example of, of an, a successful person um, who, can, who really has mastered this kind of skill is actually musicians. So, like, when you see people on the radio or on TV who are musicians who have been around for 20, 30 years and are still successful and manage to come out with new music every time, these are individuals who not only have learned everything that they learned during the time when they hit their peak, 
but they continued learning and they continued adjusting and they continued changing their style just enough to fit with the new times but still keep true to who they are and so on and so forth and, and re-imaging re themselves and, and giving themselves new wardrobes and new this to keep up with everything. You know, one of the beautiful things about being having this kind of work, being a diviner, is that it, it allows you to do that. You can listen to the current music. You can watch the, the current TV shows that's really popular right now. You can read the, the most best current author at the time and do all this stuff and build that library even more so. So now when a 23-year-old kid or an 18-year-old kid comes to your table for a reading, you can actually communicate with them in their language with, with the things that they know. Of, of their time. And that's really important to do. Like, I mean, don't get me wrong, the beautiful aesthetics and the ambiance of having like one of those old school diviner readers, right. That have like the real cryptic kind of <laughs> Oracle-esque kind of talking and stuff. It's really cool. You're like, yeah, tell me some deep stuff, you know, but every once in a while I want to go to a reader that tells me like it is and it isn't afraid to curse and isn't afraid to talk to me based on what my life is going through at that time and, and being real with me 100%. I think it's important to be able to be flexible like that, and we can only do that by yes. just, like, constantly staying on on our game, you know? It's a lifelong process. I mean, there is a multitude of – and one of the reasons why I do my show is there's a multitude of great diviners, and they all work differently. They all have a different skill set. They all have a different language set. They're not going to, you know, work for everybody. Right. Every person is individual, you know. So right. you get a 20-year-old that's been out on the street for years, you know, you have to give them different types of messages in a different way so that they understand it in a language that they're accustomed to hearing. It's like trying to talk to somebody in Spanish when they only hear English. You know, if you don't know their language, how is that message going to get through to them? You know? Exactly. And we never stop learning. I mean, there's just, you know, countless numbers of different types of cards, decks, oracles, you know, coins, dice, dominoes, you know, I Ching. I mean, you name it, diviners delve into it. And we constantly <laughs> pull more. I mean, I think we go into more depth than anybody because we're always just like, ooh, a new deck's out. Ooh, a new deck's out. You know, <laughs> but because it's because we want to continue to keep learning. It's a passion. It's not, right. you know, I'm just tarot and that's all I do. You know, we do go deep. Oh, we go and, deep. <laughs> you know, and we need to because, you know, we have to peel back those layers of that onion, you know, to get to what's at the core. And in order to do that, you have to know how to peel back all those layers. And that may use a multitude of different techniques. Right. Exactly. You know? um, I know some readers, uh, sorry, I just lost this piece here. Um, some readers will kind of combine cards. I know yes. there are some times when I'll do that where I'll do my regular tarot deck and then I'll do like an oracle deck and I'll pull like one or two cards at the end to kind of give them like a summary uh, message. Um, some people combine the pendulum with the cards to, 
to address like in between yes no kind of questions that they have in between uh, the bigger messages. Um, so yeah, yeah, we we totally mess around with all of it, and it's a lot of fun. It's 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 fun. It's not just and who who wants to learn something that isn't fun? <laughs> it's tough. It's tough to have to force some information into your brain if you're really not feeling it. And this is that thing that we all just feel. You know, you have to feel yeah. it. And we do it because we love, you know, we love to do it. We love to help and to heal. And, you know, and it's also for the diviner, a very therapeutic tool for themselves. It allows us to unlock and open our own selves, you know, to deal with issues that we may have had in our lifetime that we might never have gone to seek assistance or help with. But during a reading, spirit has a funny way of throwing things in front of you for you to read for somebody else, that really is not a message for them. Although it does <laughs> pertain to them, it's really so that we can get over our own issue and move past a situation and learn from that. And spirit, it's always funny. Spirit will send you somebody at some point <laughs> in time when you need it. <laughs> it is so true. Say, hey, you know, you've been ignoring this. So now I'm going to put somebody in front of you that needs a reading on this exact issue. So now you cannot ignore this right. particular situation. And, you know, you now they're gotten, forced to. <laughs> have you ever gotten, uh, have you ever done like a full day of reading and noticed that there was like a theme among all yes. of them? Oh my gosh. That is, that is probably the, the most silliest thing that's happened to me. And it happens so frequently. If I know I'm going to have a day of like any more than six people in a day, I know I'm going to have some kind of a theme happening. <laughs> and, and the important the thing theme. with that is to see what the theme is, because a lot of times when right. there's a, a theme, it also has to do with you. Exactly. Exactly. You know, so if I'm doing readings, I mean, I've had days where I've had nine people in a row and everybody needed to have cleansings done, you know, whether they did their own or took a bath or whatever else. It also told me I need to go home and take a bath because I might not have been doing that. And I may have been ignoring the fact that I also need to cleanse. <laughs> right. And right. if I don't take time out for myself, spirit puts things in, in my path to say, Hey, there's a reason why you're getting all of these. Right. Exactly. Exactly. And, and it's so beautiful. It's just so beautiful. How, like you said, how spirit communicates. It's just, it's so beautiful. And I never, I, I just realized that I never got a chance to actually answer that question um, about when the student asks, how do I know it's me or just my imagination? Like, how do I know it's spirit or just my imagination? And I think you hit the nail right on the head in terms of just, you, 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 first of all, you just know it, it's definitely, it's an unmistakable, <laughs> it's an unmistakable kind of feeling that is associated with getting messages from spirit. You, you know, that's not you, <laughs> yeah. you know, um, but it's but also, it's you know, more, they also play themselves over and over again. I mean, if they're trying to give you a message and it is spirit exactly and you're dismissing the it, they'll put it in your path multiple times saying, Hey, here's this message again. Here's a message right. again. <laughs> you know, yeah. we just had a discussion in my uh, in my group. I don't know. Oh, you're in my group. You're in my group. Yeah. Um. So my group, the Magical Solution. This is how we grow on Facebook. Um, yes. We we had a discussion about that not too long ago, where we talked about signs and omens and getting messages from spirit, whether that's through divination or just out in the world when you're out and about. And 
you know, you get that question every time. How do I know really from spirit or if it's just me reading into something that it just could be nothing? And one of the big pieces of advice I love to give is this theory of displacement, you know, this idea that when you get an omen or you get a sign from spirit, it's, it's not only unmistakable, but the reason why it's unmistakable, it almost seems miraculous in some cases, is because whatever that sign is or that, that omen is, it's not supposed to be at that place at that time. It's, it's displaced, right? So, for example, you know, a lot of times when someone passes away, right, and someone goes outside and they see like a dove feather, they associate that with the person who passed away. And they're like, oh, this person is visiting me, or oh, that's a sign from so-and-so. And, you know, a lot of times I'll get that. Oh, you know, this person communicates with me via this. And I'll be like, okay, what are the circumstances happening around that when you get that sign? And, you know, if they tell me, oh, it was in the middle of a beautiful spring day, I was taking a walk with my dog, and, and there was the feather, and I knew that that was a message. Now, I would never shatter someone's heart. I would never break anyone's spirit and say, no, 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 that's bull crap. I would never do that because if you believe that, then that's beautiful and go for it. But I always assess the situation, right? So to, to me, yeah. a feather on a spring day out on a beautiful sunny day is not uncommon. However, if you were going downstairs in your danky, dark, windowless basement to go do laundry – and you find a white dove feather, then it's displaced. It's not supposed to be there. That is something that is very odd and is most likely a message from spirit. So, yes. you know, those, those are like kind of little tricks and tips that I love to give people, you know, to help them sort of stay, keep one foot in reality, you know, that sometimes things can be explained away. <laughs> right. And, you know, it's, it's one of those things that often – I'll say we, because a lot of us do it, we'll look for signs. Right. You know? So we're not just out experiencing life, going through our everyday, day-to-day things, and then we just happen upon something that could be a sign. A lot of times people are actually looking for signs. So anything that pops up, you know, they will take as a sign. Me, right. I've always been the one to dismiss <laughs> everything. So if I'm out and I happen to see, you know, a dime now, you know, the feeling in my family is dimes represent my aunt whose house I live in. She was always saving money. She was always saving dimes, saving change. And every time we found a dime in the house that shouldn't have been where it was supposed to be, it was a sign from her that she was here and that she was with us. Now, if I'm out and about and I happen to see a dime on the ground, I will automatically dismiss it because it's outside. It's on the ground. People lose money. People lose change all the time. Constantly keep finding dimes in my path. Then I reassess everything because just one thing for me, call me Debbie the doubter, does not show me a sign. You know, spirit has to basically bop me on the head. You know, yeah, you're in order you for me to pay attention. <laughs> yeah. You know, so we have a, a member in our chat group, uh, Tina 
Amindalari. I'm gonna I butchered her name. Oh, I'm sorry Tina, for that. That is my beautiful goddess Tina. She has been my diehard loyal fan since day one, and I love her so much. <laughs> well, she loves you too. She says that you know the magical solutions. This is how we grow. Is the best group of people on Facebook. You can ask about anything and get honest feedback without judgment. It's and so it's one true. of the things I it's love so about true. your about your group as well is there are so many people that are invested in giving honest feedback and they can also have debates, you know, from a positive standpoint, because everybody has their own view on how things are for them in particular, but they're the nicest people. There's, you know, I don't see head bashing big egos. I mean, they are some of the best people that I see that communicate in groups about sharing and helping people to grow. And Tina also says, love you too, goddess. Uh, Now you're also the gray goddess. So explain to us what that term actually means for you. Because I mean, I know I understand it and some people may, and some people may not. (laughs) Well, um, so the gray goddess is a spiritual name that I had given myself many, many, many years ago um, because I'm very much about representing, you know, I'm all about what you see is what you get. I really, really, I'm not the kind of person who likes to play games and, and, you know, do the small talk and all this other stuff. What you see is what you get with me. And so this name allowed me to just show who I was. So the word goddess um, for me, I think it's just symbolic of just all women and all people in general. I think we are all gods and goddesses, you know, a pretty generic standard definition of why I chose that. <laughs> We're all gods and goddesses. We're all divine in our own right. And that is something that we just need to embrace, or at least I feel I need to embrace, right? And then the word gray, I think this is where my, my spiritual name gets a little bit more deeper, at least for me. The word gray represents a couple of things. Number one, it's my favorite color, but Number two, it's, it's, it's representative of nature and witchcraft in general, the, the, the craft and the art. Um, but it represents nature in the sense, because normally, you know, when, when we learn about associations, you know, the, the four quarters, the colors, the, uh, you know, the archangels, all this stuff, whenever we learn about associations, we learn that earth or nature is the color green, or yes. brown, and we usually associate those colors with nature. For me, I associate nature as gray because nature is the most beautiful, beautiful thing to experience. And when I talk about nature, I'm not talking about just Mother Earth. I'm talking about the entire known and unknown cosmos. And um, for me, this known and unknown cosmos, and specifically this planet Earth, is so, so beautiful but it's also so monstrous and ugly. It's a jungle. It is. It mm-hmm. will rip you to shreds, you know? And that's one of those things that I, you, you, ha- you have to cope with. You have to be okay knowing that this is, this is the world we live in. And that's a tough thing for a lot of people. A lot of people love to be all butterflies and sunshine, and I don't want to talk about the bad, and, and oh, the word hate is a, is a strong word, and I don't want to use it. And they really forget, like, those are still part of nature and what we are and who yes. we are. It's still there. Whether you don't want to see it or not, it's still there. Um, so that's part of what gray means. 
another part of what gray means is, to me, it's, it's God. And I know that this might seem kind of blasphemous to a lot of people, because when you think Mm. of God, you think of purity, you think of goodness, you think of white, the color white, and cleanliness. Um, You think of all the things that represent just pure, good holiness. At least that's what I was raised thinking, because I was raised Catholic. Right, as as I was. yeah, and 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 so and even the dark sides of what God did in the Bible and all that good stuff <laughs> um, was still somehow managed to be reinterpreted as something positive and good, and oh, He did it for the for our people and for this and for that. Um, and so there was never really any wrong done. Um, but when I look, I look at God as nature itself too. I don't see this pure, holy, white thing. Now that is a part of it, but what I see is, is a spectrum. If anything, I see rainbows and I see, you know, the darkness and I see the different shades of gray, you know, and, and, and God and nature and witchcraft is like a pendulum that kind of shifts from one shade of gray to the other shade. And that shade is a spectrum between white and black. And I think that that is such a beautiful concept to think about. And every day you and I shift from, from one gray to another. Um, and then the very last thing that gray stands for is the mystery. You know, whenever I, one of my favorite times of the year is when it is raining and misty and foggy outside, when there's thunderstorms and it's just a thick cloud of just gray all over the place. I love it. It, it puts me in a place that is so magical and so amazing there's there's it's almost like the shell of my body the skin that I'm in doesn't even exist anymore that my spirit and that mist that I'm looking at is the same thing and it's very fluid um and so it's it's all of that and so much more in that name and 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 I hope to try and represent that for people whenever I do my group or when I have conversations or when I teach I'm showing the spectrum of what it is that I'm teaching. I'm not just showing you all the white, and I'm not just showing you all the dark. I'm showing you all of it, and you decide where on that pendulum swing you want to land at any given time. You know, and I think that's a beautiful thing, because, I mean, when I look at gray, you know, I mentioned to you on Facebook, you know, I see balance. Because for me, you know, as a diviner, you know, I walk with one foot in this world, one foot in the other world. I have one foot on this this earth, one foot in the cemetery, you know, I have the tangible life and the spiritual afterlife all coexisting at the same moment in time. And for me, it's a balancing act and to balance the light and the dark, we stay in the center. We know how to tip the scale one way and how to tip the scale the other way. And just like in magic, we know how to draw upon the energies of the light when we need to, but we also know and understand that sometimes we have to draw upon the dark, you know, to help balance out the forces of nature and bring things back into balance again. You know, so I look at gray, one of my favorite colors too, is because I'm a Scorpio. So I'm always in the, you know, only time I'm in the middle, which is, which is interesting because, you know, with Scorpios, we're either all in or we're all out. We're either all one way or all another but in spiritual true. practice, in spiritual practice, Scorpios tend to be very balanced with light and dark. We work both sides. 
Yeah. You know. All about the balance. And you're right. Yeah. We as practitioners, we must stay in the middle. Whether we're divining, whether we're doing magic, whether we are teaching, whether we are counseling our, our clients, no matter what it is that we're doing, we have to be in the middle. I mean, we understand our emotions are a very, very powerful tool to get what we need to get done. And by all means, we can draw upon those emotions, we can harness them, we can direct them and utilize them, but we should never live in them because that is where problems lie, you know? I think we we as practitioners really know that. You know, the ones who really have done this, we we know that and we we live that lifestyle. And and we have to. I mean, in order to have even non-spiritually speaking, in order to have a healthy life, one has to have balance. And to have that balance, one has to understand that everything's not pretty roses. You know, you can't always be positive. There are going to be upsets. There are going to be things that are going to happen. There are going to be people that are going to piss you off. (laughs) But the important part is to know that, you know, these are moments that are going to change from time to time. When you stand in the middle, you're like, you know, that unshakable tree, you can sway and you can bend in any direction that the wind pushes you. You know, you can handle anything because you have that strong foundation and that strong trunk. But you know that you have to be flexible in life. You have to be flexible with your friends. You have to be flexible at work. You know, sometimes you have to show that angry, miserable side of you. Sometimes you have to be the sweet side of you. You know, so it's all different. But it's the balancing act that we all go through. Exactly. And it's funny because I actually get a lot of, you know, jokes being made by my friends and family, you know, people who know me really well. And they'll say, oh, Leilani, you're so full of crap. You're always laughing all the time and being super joyful and, you know, always cracking jokes and being silly. Like, what what balance is that? And, you know, because they assume that joy is associated with some kind of an emotion that um, we would have to explain in some way that it's, that it's the opposite of hate or, you know, being angry, but it's not. I, to me, when I look at joy, I don't look at it as an emotion more. So I look at it as literally a state of being. So yeah, there's nothing wrong with joy. A lot of times no. I, I get misinterpreted as being naive or being young or um, not non-experienced just because I smile and giggle all the time. <laughs> and it's one of those things that says, no, I have lived a lot. As a matter of fact, some of my the pain and some of the things that I've gone through, I wouldn't wish on my worst enemy. But you know what? I'm not going to stop smiling and laughing because what makes – the gray so beautiful to me is that in the face of all of that pain and in the face of all of those experiences and in the face of all the ugly things that are in this world and the ugly ways that people can express themselves, I refuse to be jaded by it. I refuse. Yeah. And, and that's just, that's just a choice, you know, it's a choice that you got to make. And I, I made that. And I think that's why calling myself the great goddess really is, um, representative of who I am. It's gray to me isn't um a dull, sad color. It's a joyful no. color. <laughs> and and it's also, you know, one of those things that it's a living in the moment. You know, with right. everything that goes on and all the bad things that happen or even all the good things that happen, 
We live in the moment itself. You know, car could hit us tomorrow, but you know what? For right now, I'm living in the moment. This bad stuff just happened to me, but right now, I'm, I choose to live in the moment. I choose not to allow this to really affect me or who I am. Exactly. You know, so uh, what tips would you give to newbies that are just getting on the path of divining, you know, to, you know, any tips or things that you would recommend them to do to help better their, their gifts? Honestly, it really is about relationships. And, and I mean this in regular day-to-day life and also in your divination life. It's about relationships. So build a relationship with your cards. You know, um, these cards can, can be a living, breathing system for you if you allow it to be. You can give them a personification. You can even give your deck a name if you want to, if it helps to give you that feeling. But allow yourself to have a relationship with your cards and give your cards life because what, and you'll feel it. It's, it's one of those things. Like, I don't know if you've ever experienced this, but have you ever just had an off day, just an off day oh, of yeah. reading and you're not getting nothing right and nothing is vibrating and your deck feels dead. Your deck feels like it is un, it's just, it's just a dead weight. And then you go and you cleanse your deck and you cleanse yourself and, like, the minute you do that, it's like boom, 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 it's speaking again. And that's the same concept. It's, it's, it's a relationship that needs to be nurtured and cared for, like, as if you were watering a plant. And if you do that, your, your deck will literally communicate with you. It'll know when, when you're not right. You'll know when it's not right. And it becomes this interplay between the two of you. So one of the easiest ways to build a relationship with your deck is honestly keep it with you at all times. That's what I did when I was 11 years old. That on me, at all, on my person at all times. The minute I had, I sat down, the minute I was in between something, the minute I had to myself, I was shuffling them, I was playing with them, I was looking at them, uh, and it's just building and spending time with your cards, sleeping with your cards underneath your pillow, pulling out one card to three cards a day, and allowing those cards to be associated with experiences that you have throughout the day um, so that you build that relationship language between you and your cards as well. Um, and really, yeah, just giving of your time. Because just like any system and just like any practice, it's sacrifice. You have to give in order yes. to get, you know. So that's what I would tell someone who's brand new is spend time with your cards, build a relationship with your cards, and they will not let you down. Now, you allow people to touch your decks, right, when you read? A lot of people what? Like, you allow people to touch no, your decks. No, I do not. No. No. So you don't allow them to shuffle or anything else? Because I don't, I don't let people touch my stuff either. It's just like, you, yeah, no, you no, no. There, I, I touch. Present, I do all the work. Exactly. No, no, no. I, I, my, my <clears throat> method of of reading is through tactile perception. So I literally hold their hand. I okay. hold their hand with my receiving hand, and with my other hand, I'm holding on to a a fluoride stone, and I'm allowing that information to transfer through me. I, I perceive it, interpret it, and then it comes back out into the stone. And so the stone takes okay. it away. Yeah. Okay. Because, see, I, I don't do the tactile. I do, you know, 
I'll do a standard reading or I'll do a spiritual reading with cards, but I don't allow people to touch my cards at all. I do all the shuffling. I do all the cutting. I have them point pile they would like, but I don't let anybody touch my stuff. <laughs> yeah, that, also, that would require to have to cleanse every time you have a reading. No, no, no. I'm, that's too much. That's too much. <laughs> but see, that's also the other thing, too, is I never cleanse my decks, ever. <laughs> Wow. And there's, for me, I think for me, you know, and it's different for everybody, but for me, the reason that I choose not to cleanse my decks is because life is ugly, you know, a lot of times. And yeah. I think that my deck being a spirit driven deck, having a life force of its own has to go through the same things that we as people go through. I want all the experiences, the good, the bad, and the ugly to exist in that actual deck. You know, mm. and my own personal feeling is that if I cleanse, I'm cleansing away some of those experiences. So I don't want to cleanse them. Mm. I want them to live and exist just like I have. You know, I've gone through the good, the bad, and the ugly, you know. Right. <laughs> so for me, right. that works. But for a lot of people, you know, they want to cleanse. They don't want to have the extra energy. They don't want to have the, you know, the buildup of, extra junk on their deck. But, you know, I'm going to be 49 this year. I've also been, you know, reading, you know, since I was 18, you know, it's, I've been doing it for so long that this is my preferred method. I tried when I was younger cleansing and cleansing my (laughs) deck. And I also found that for me, it didn't work because of the way that I function, the way that I work I see the good, the bad, and the ugly. I'm the Scorpio. You know, it's I'm all in, I'm all out. You know, except for spiritual <laughs> things, where everything has to be balanced. Right. That's why I feel for myself because of the balance. I have to leave it all in. You know. Right. Now, aside from your Facebook group, you also have your own website too, and your own business, correct? I do. So my business is the Magical Solution. Um, I started that a few years ago um, with my husband, and um, I I, I love it. The website, though, I'm going to probably be closing it down just because I realize I get much more foot traffic through the Facebook shop that I have. Um, So I'm going to be closing that down. But for now, you can definitely find me on Facebook, um, The Magical Solution. You can find me on YouTube. I'm going to be doing a lot more videos soon, especially more educational videos that kind of correspond to my group, which is also on Facebook, The Magical Solution. This is how we grow, hashtag, right? Um, Yes. And, yeah, the whole point is my whole thing, my whole shtick, if you will, (laughs) is um, (laughs) – that we're all doing this together. We're all growing together. So let's do it. Let's uh, put the egos aside. Let's just, let's just put everything out at the front door, leave everything at the door and come in and let's just do this as, as a people, as a species, as a, as a spirit, as a soul, let's just grow. Let's just figure this out together, you know, and that's my whole thing. And hopefully the message is getting across. The group is fabulous. The YouTube fans are fabulous. So yeah, the more people who want to get in on that idea, the better. You know? Yeah. And and I love your Facebook group. I mean, it is a very open group. I mean, I, I'm not as active as I would like to be because, you know, life's not always pretty. So I always have things going on, yeah. you know, but I see the interaction. I see, you know, the way the people are in the actual group and how willing they are to share 
you know, their experiences, their ingredients, their formulas, you know, nobody has the ego. They're all sitting there saying, Hey, you know, here's something that, you know, I've done for a long time. You know, let me share this with you. You know, maybe you're aware of it. Maybe you're not aware of it, but it really is all about people lifting each other up, people learning together, community getting back to where it should be, which is, you know, we're all here for the same purpose. We're all here for the same reason. You know, we don't have to exist to beat down, bash down, hit, knock, talk crap about, you know, we're here to learn, to evolve, to lift and to elevate. And And no matter what stage we're at in the game, everyone is a teacher and everyone is a student. And that is the whole point. You can learn something from a 16 year old little kid the same way you can learn something from an 85 year old man. Everyone's got something to bring to the table. And I think that that is where, it's all that. And you have to understand that, you know, yeah. I teach and facilitate a lot. You know, I do a lot of divination. I was members of a lot of different groups. I've helped teach, you know, uh, tea card readings, tarot. Uh, well, I can't really say tarot. I've helped other people learn how to read tarot. I just can't do it myself. Um, <laughs> I, I, I just can't click with them. But right. I have also had students of mine from years ago come back and teach me things. And, you know, I think it's phenomenal to be able to sit there and see people that you have helped elevate, come back to you to show you where they are and to say, hey, look, you know, have you ever looked at things this way and shown you something completely different from what you're used to doing? And you're like, (laughs) wow, the student has become the teacher. I feel like Bruce Lee, (laughs) you know, but it's beautiful. beautiful. Yeah. And that's the thing is I don't take anything to harsh. Like, I love to see them grow. You know, right. I love the fact that I was a part of their growth. And when they have yeah. surpassed me and shown me other things, it puts me in even more awe, you know, that they <laughs> have so taken awesome. it and run so much with it, you know. Yeah. So what role yeah, do you and- feel like the ancestors play in divination? Oh, it, everything, everything. It, it's There's not one reading that I give that an ancestor or someone from their family comes up um, or, or part of their spiritual court. It, 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 it's a necessity because those are the energies that are constantly guiding them and are in their lives and, and witnessing everything and has opinions on everything that they're witnessing. <laughs> so it's like, you know, here's the opinions of the people and the energies and the spirits that are in on your team that are fighting for you and that are protecting you and that are there. Here's what they think, you know, and again, these are situations where you can take what they say and run with it. Cause again, the ball's in your court. You can ignore it and disagree with it. Whatever you want, but here it is. And it's so very vital. So very vital to their growth. And I, I agree. I mean, there's there's always been a thing um, going around on Facebook about, you know, the importance of ancestors or not the importance of ancestors or working with the ancestors or not working with the ancestors. And, you know, when you're a diviner, now readers are different. Readers, you know, to be a reader, you don't have to have a connection with ancestors, but to be a diviner, you really do have to have a deep understanding of ancestor reverence, of working with your ancestors, communicating with your ancestors, and developing a relationship with your ancestors because those are your guides. You know, we're not exactly. talking to or Loa or the 
Orisha or, you know, we're talking your blood ancestors, the ones that made you, that carried your bloodline for centuries, you know, that make up who you are. And they always are there to communicate with you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And a and lot of times the, the behaviors that we go through, the experiences that we go through, there's nothing new about them. I mean, yeah, it's happening in a different time, in a different place, and with different characters. But at the, at the same time, we all know what love is like. We all know what pain is like. We all have experiences of loss. We all have experiences of victories. And these experiences are things that have been going on since the beginning of time. So to be able to get yet another piece of knowledge regarding those experiences can really help an individual navigate this world, you know, because it doesn't go anywhere. It's going to happen over and over and over again, just with different characters and different scenes. So why not, why not learn it? <laughs> yeah. Cause I mean, and, and I like when the old ancestor comes through because you know they don't play. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they they don't look at things like we would in this day and age and try to find, you know, a soft approach or try to find sweet loving words. They just come right down and say, "Look, this is it." Right. Period. <laughs> like, Point blank end of story. <laughs> don't need to I don't need to understand your exact predicament. I understand you have pain, but this is what you need to do. Right. Right. You know, but that, and that's, but that's the way, you know, some things are, you know, um, I did want to take a mention because of course, you know, we had Tina in the group. We just had somebody that popped in and left a little while ago and I couldn't catch their name on, uh, on time, but I did want to make mention of, you know, an upcoming event coming up in September, the 29th and the 30th, the Mile High Conjure Gala, you know, the second annual Mile High Conjure Gala, you know, with the Master of Ceremonies, Candelo Cambisa at the Historical Lumber Baron Inn, right in the heart of Denver, Colorado, where seminars will be given by esteemed practitioners of, but not limited to, root work, conjure, and other paths. Presenters include... Candelo Cambisa, Beverly Smith, Professor Charles Porterfield, Michelle Jackson, Ambrosine Legree, Professor Ames, Michael Cardenas, as well as Hoodoo and Moise. You know, there's an optional yeah. paper, uh, gourmet paper bag lunch available upon request as well. Again, this is on September 29th and 30th of this year. You can find out information on the conjuregala.com, or I should say just conjuregala.com. You know, if you're interested in finding out and also check him out, Candelo Cambisa on Spreaker.com for it's 12 o'clock somewhere. You know, his daily show, the longest running spiritual show on the radio to date. You know, how would our lovely audience members, you know, I mean, what's the best way for them to get a hold of you or to reach out to you? Um, should they want a reading or find out about your your products or, you know, services that you offer? Yeah, well, first, I just want to make a comment about that Conjure Mile High Gala. What a lineup. Those individuals are amazing, amazing individuals. And if anyone could get a chance to go out and be a part of it, I highly suggest you're learning from the best. Um, And as far as I go, um, you know, you can reach me in my email, The Magical Solution, and that's magical with a CK um, <laughs> at gmail.com. You can find me on Facebook. You can find me on YouTube. You can find me on Twitter. 
and everywhere else with the same with the same hashtag. Um, and as far as my products go, I, I formulate amazing, amazing magical oils, powders, and sprays, waters. Um, I also do a few curios, but at the end of the day, it's really about what you need. So if you have something specific you want me to make you, I will totally do that. You just have to give me a, a minimum of six weeks to get everything, you know, really steeping and good and <laughs> to just let me know. And, uh, yeah, that's it. I, I, I am just so excited that you brought me onto the show. It was an amazing conversation. I feel like we touched upon everything. It was just so much fun. <laughs> Oh, I loved having you. So what other things do you have coming down the pipe? Because I also know you do little fairs and festivals and, you know, little pop-up venues. So what else do you have in store? Yeah, so um, I, yes, I do a lot of local vending events. So I always have tables out at the festivals in my area, which is the Hudson Valley of New York. Um, I'm also a singer and I have a band and I'm constantly doing performances. So September is going to be a very, very busy month for me. Not only is it my birthday on September 15th, but oh, I'll birthday. be performing. Thank you. I'll be performing every single weekend in September, as well as doing a couple of vending events in the local area. So if you're in the Hudson Valley, just check on my website the magical solution to see all of these uh events and if you're into just music and want to come see me and my band our band is called outside the box and you can find us on facebook to you know see where we're performing so yeah and she got a, <laughs> and she got a voice on her because you know i stalk everybody so you know <laughs> oh my god <laughs> <laughs> I stalk everybody. Thank well, you. that's how I get people on my show, you know. And, and you do have a beautiful voice. I've actually listened to you, Thank and I've you. actually uh, saw some of your uh, videos with some of your songs on them. I do stalk people all the time, not in a not in a freaky, <laughs> strange way, you know, but always in a good way, you know. So um, thank you. <laughs> I, I did want to make I did want to touch base on one thing because you know uh, I won't get into details about anything. I just wanted to sit there and say that, you know, a spirit is telling me that something is coming for you and to just hang tight, not to worry. Things are being put into place for this to come to you. I'm not going to say what it is. I, you, I think you already have an idea and you already know what it I is. I totally know. Says, I'm so excited. <laughs> you know, Spirit says it's a, it's a uh, sensitive nature. Okay. So Spirit is saying not to go too in-depth as to what it is, just to let you know that things are being put into place and things are pulling to bring this to you and to hang on. Thank you so much, Michael. That means so, so much. Thank you. You are very welcome. Was there anything that you would like to say, you know, to our members and our listeners today, you know, before we end our wonderful show today? Trust yourself. Simple as that. When it comes to divination, when it comes to the art of divination, and when it comes to the service of divination, your job is one job only, and that's to serve and to heal and to be healed by this process. So trust it and trust yourself. And you'll be just fine. (laughs) (laughs) And with that, I would love to have you say our final goodbyes to our beautiful audience for this wonderful episode today. Stay balanced in who you are. Love yourself. Love great spirit. And may the ancestors and guides always be with you. 
Thank you very much for joining us this week on the Divination Table. I will see you again next week, 7 p.m., the same bat time, same bat channel for some more batty talk about divination. Be blessed.